Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, everybody. God's good. Amen, all the time. Even when you don't feel it. Uh, somebody grunts at somebody near you and go, oh, come on. I'm a tough Christian. I love, I love, you know, (laughs) okay, let's just go with it. Um, You know, uh, Phil mentioned the the scripture about, you know, the river being ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. Then it becomes a river that you can't traverse, one version says. Um, It sounds great, doesn't it? It's funny, isn't it, how, how, you know, stories of rivers and streams and all this, oh, it's lovely language. But I want you to realize that sometimes when you're walking with God, you can feel like you're in God's washing machine. (laughs) Anybody ever been in God's washing machine? You're tumbling around, you go, good heavens, welcome to the river when it gets really deep. And uh, I just feel I've got a word from God to you this morning, is that Okay. So I want to share that with you. Before I get started, I've got, I've got some books downstairs. Let me just mention uh, a couple before we get into it. This one my wife's just done. We've done uh, a book on uh, belief and confession for, for adults. That's downstairs. But my wife's just done one for kids. My, my son was struggling with uh, kind of nightmares and being scared at night as he goes to bed. So we got him to confess the word over his life. And my wife wrote a little confession for him. And within days, all the fear had stopped. And he kind of, he knows it off by heart. Now, I've got 55-year-olds in my church that don't know the word like my son knows the word now. Right? He just knows. I know how to confess my fears away. Who, who knows that we need to learn to be able to fight with what God gives us to fight with, right? And, uh, and so, so my wife put it in a little book. And she sent out some freebie copies. And there was a little lad who, the report we got back, a pastor's, child who was struggling with suicidal thoughts at the age seven and began to confess over his own life the word of God and all the suicidal oppression left. Come on. God, that's what I like. I don't know about you. I want my Christianity to work. Anybody? Right? I don't just want to pray prayers that don't get answered forever. No, no, no. I want Christianity to work, right? So we've got to get this stuff working, and I hope that what I share with you today will help you get that working. Anybody got a child who's struggling a little bit with any kind of fears at the moment or nightmares or anything like that? Just put your hand up if you, if you have. You know, all, all your kids are super on it. Is there any, is there any kids here? I'm looking. Well, there's a lady behind you with her daughter sat next to her, so I'm going to give it to you. Hello, sweetie. I don't want to embarrass you. What's your name? That's for you there. You can have a present. Is that all right? I didn't catch your name, but don't worry. Fantastic. Well, I hope you enjoy today. And then I've got another one. Um, there's, there's four or five downstairs, but let me just share this one because I can kind of, I can plug a book and do an introduction all at the same time. Good communication, huh? Um, uh, last year was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Do you remember that? And the Reformation, essentially, if you knew church history, you'd understand that in the last 500 years, God has been reforming the church. So actually, it looks more like the early church now than at virtually any point in the last 1,500 years, 2,000 years. 
miracles, signs, wonders, the fact that you can come to God by faith, the fact that you can know the scriptures for yourself, the fact that you don't have to go through a priest. Jesus is your priest, right? And you can walk with God by faith and in relationship with him. That is something that has been reformed over the last 500 years. The fact that we can praise God as if we were in David's tabernacle today. Anybody love that? So good this morning, mate. I loved it. And the drummer, where's the drummer? Are you here? Wave a hand at me. You're fantastic. I love that. You're fantastic. Wow. Really, really great. So, you know, there's just something about being able to praise God freely and openly and that you can have a face-to-face encounter with God. There's no church politics putting people like me between you and God. You have direct access to God. Amen? I'm not the only man of God in this room. This room is full of men of God, full of women of God, full of children who are full of God, right? Now, here's what I discovered. As I looked back through history, and I, I, for the book, I went back just 4,000 years. Every 500 years, God adjusts what he is doing in the earth. If you go back about 4,000 years ago, you find that God transforms what's happening on the earth as he connects with a man called Abraham, the father of faith. In fact, Galatians tells us that Abraham was the first man to have the gospel preached to him. He was the first one to go, this is going to happen through faith, not through behavior. Faith must affect behavior, but it's going to happen through your belief in me, not just your behavior. And so God begins to show what he's doing in the earth in a new way with Abraham. 500 years later, you get another major figure, Moses. 500 years later, you get another major figure, David, man after God's own heart. 500 years later, there's an exile and turmoil among the children of Israel. 500 years later, you get Jesus. 500 years later, you get the beginning of the Dark Ages as that original power-filled miracle-working church begins to slip into a politicized place. And then for a thousand years, we're in the depths of the Dark Ages, right in the middle of the 500 years, actually the church splits in two. And then 500 years ago begins the Reformation. Let me tell you, you might not know it, but you should be so grateful that you weren't born 600 years ago. If you think church is ever boring now, it was snoring boring then. It was awful. But here's the great thing. You see, if you track back through history, and you could go further back, you go to Noah and people like, all these things are at 500-year junctions. You are alive at a 500-year pivotal moment in history. Do you realize that more people are being raised from the dead around the world than ever in history right now? There is something going on. You see, God's ultimate purpose is that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Guys, you were born in a generation that's beginning to see these waves hit our shore. You see, over the last 500 years, God has been reforming his temple, reforming the church. Now, what happens biblically when a tabernacle is already and put in place? When a temple is already and put in place, what happens? The glory fills the tabernacle, the flock, the glory fills the temple. For 500 years, God has been reforming the church in the way it should be. Even to the point now, and the book will go into it more deeply if you like that kind of thing. He's been restoring things like prophets and apostles to the church. Now we're in the place, I believe, and I I show in the book, where God is ready to fill this temple, as imperfect as we are still, with his glory. That's why I've got a friend whose church has a resurrection team. If somebody dies in their city in America, 
The police will give you a card so if you would like someone to come and pray for you as a family, and even for the dead person, they will. They've seen nine people raised from the dead. Oh, come on. That's the kind of church I want to belong to. I don't know about you. I will not tolerate the fakery of singing our songs and nodding to sermons, but not doing the stuff. We have to find out how to have God move in our lives. This stuff better work. If it doesn't work, let's go play golf on a Sunday. It's a lot more fun. I mean, the preaching's all right, but it ain't that good. Let's go ride a horse. Let's go play golf. Let's go catch some rays. It's sunny out there. So either this is going to work or let's all go home. Anybody with me? I can't stand religion. Oh, all the fakery. Oh, boy. So this is all about what God's doing in the earth right now. And you're alive for such a time as this. You should be doing hoopla skip, tiptoe through the daisies, jumping around going, thank you, Jesus, I'm alive now. And I hope really, if we get to it, that I can really stir you to think, so how do I get into that today? But what, what I felt, you've really been a problem to me this week already. I'll have you know. Now, normally when you come to a church for the first time, you've got loads of stuff to preach. I could preach for weeks and not even ask God what to say. Do you know that? And some of you would still think it's quite good, you know. But I just feel something a little bit different. So I'm going to say some stuff I've never said before. Because I believe you, just like we are at a pivotal point, you are a pivotal point as a church. You are at a coming of age, whether you know it or not. And I believe you're at the threshold of a new season. And even with some of the things that you've been going through and are going through, God is preparing to launch, excuse this term, I've used it in mind before, so please don't in any way be, I don't know, insulted by it. There's a coming of age from adolescent to adulthood in a new way in what you're doing. I just feel there's something. And, but I suppose here's the, here's the core of my message, that isn't always nice and fun. In fact, sometimes we do feel like we're in God's washing machine. Because when God comes along and he begins to change the rhythm of our life and of our church, because you know a church is just a group of individuals that somehow begin to learn to run together in not a three-legged race, but a 103-legged race. And somehow God is calling for new muscle memory to be created, a new rhythm to happen, and, and for new things to take place. It's an interesting time when change comes. Everybody say change. Everybody say, I love it. You liars. There you go. You can have that. So now, you know, uh, Phil even started on it. And I, I thought, okay, well, let's, let's start there. Ankle deep. You know, I love it when God's ankle deep. I feel his grace, but I can still do what I want. Right. Just, you know, when it comes to the river... Forget that it's just about the Holy Spirit. This is about life. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can feel as dry as a desert, but he's still at work. We think that, you know, being near to God is always about feeling fluffy and having goosebumps. Ankle deep, knee deep, we're beginning to feel the pull of God. Waist deep, you can really feel the conviction of the move it, come in this direction. See, God has ways that he moves. And as we get to adulthood, 
he tolerates our going against his ways less and less. I used to do woodwork in school. Anybody do woodwork in school? I used to, I used to love it. I just used to like planing things. You, know, you just put a bit of wood in a, in a, in a vice and shoot. Can anybody go, shoot, shoot, come on, shoot, shoot. I, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Shoot. And a little curly bit of wood comes off in a shoot, shoot. And I remember one day in class, everybody was planing, shoot. Shoot right across the classroom. And for some reason, mine just wouldn't do it. It was... And across the classroom, I heard my teacher shouting, Cooper, you're going against the grain. And he just walked up and he turned a bit of wood around in my vice. He said, now try it. Shoot. Shoot. See, so many Christians... At ankle deep, we feel his grace, but we still go against the grain. We've got a ticket to heaven, but we know the stuff isn't really happening on the ground of our lives. But I believe there are people here with a passion for everything that God has. And I, I, I hope that something that I say this morning will help draw you through to the place of running after everything God has for you. But it does require this, that he brings us through to the place where we can no longer traverse him. We have to go with the grain. We have to go with his way. We have to go, okay, God, I surrender. Take me over. I'm going with where you want to go. Somebody liked it downstairs, I think. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Or sister. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) You never know. (laughs) My name is Bertha. (laughs) In, In Genesis 32, this is the scripture I've been getting for you this week. So Genesis 32, it's Jacob. And he's on his way to meet Esau. And you know the story. He's going to wrestle. Everybody say wrestle. Genesis 32, and I'm going to read from verse 24 onwards. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Notice Jacob still didn't let him go. (laughs) So then the man says, let me go. It's daybreak. Everybody say that with me. Let me go. It's daybreak. That'll come up in a minute. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, which means the face of God, saying, it's because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. I always find it interesting when Christians come up to me and say, I'm struggling. As if they expect me to go, let me help. And I I want to actually go biblically, good, you're meant to. If you're not struggling, there's something wrong. Ephesians tells us we're supposed to struggle in the heavenlies. Hebrews tells us we're supposed to struggle with sin. Genesis tells us we're supposed to struggle with God. If you're struggling, you're in good company. You're meant to struggle. I had a young leader come to me once, leads one of our locations, and he said to me, Jack, can you help me? 
I've been struggling with my prayer life. I said, oh, really? Here, tell me, how long have you been struggling for? He said, oh, about two weeks I've struggled to have passion for prayer. And I looked at him like, well, when it gets to two or three years, come and see me. You know, having been in ministry nearly 30 years, I'm like, I've gone through two, three-year seasons when every ounce of prayer is through gritted teeth. It's a struggle. It's a wrestle. And we think it's wrong that we struggle. I want to redeem the struggle today. We're meant to be struggling if we're serious with God. We're not to be content at ankle deep, content at knee deep, content at waist deep. We've got plenty of God, but we're not totally surrendered. No, we're supposed to be in the place where I can't traverse God any longer. He's won me over. I've wrestled with God and he's changed my name. And I've wrestled through to a place of new becoming in God. You're meant to wrestle. You're meant to struggle. I think... Think, here's Jacob, his his name means deceiver. His grandfather's name meant father of many nations. That's a cool name, isn't it? Father of many. I wonder what your name means, father of many nations. And then you you got Isaac. Doesn't Isaac mean he laughs? Something like that, isn't it? He laughs. Then you've got Jacob, deceiver. (laughs) It's not quite so cool, is it? So then he wrestles with God, the Bible shows us. And God says, right, I'm going to change your name. And I bet he was thinking, oh, I hope it's something cool. And he changes his name to Israel, which means he struggles. <laughs> Do you know, the tribes of Israel, those awesome sons, the people of God. Do you know what their name means? The strugglers of God. I want to redeem struggling, wrestling. That it's difficult. Sometimes you don't quite know what's going on. I want you to understand that sometimes God gets you in a half Nelson. Now, and we all go, you know, come and worship Jesus. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I've got you here. We're supposed to be. Not all sweet, nice prayer lives and, oh, you know, overcoming sin is easy and, oh, we're drifting our way through, to, through revival. No, 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 no. We're supposed to be wrestling our way through to adulthood in God, wrestling through pain and difficulty into the things of God. If you wrestle, it means you're taking this thing seriously. If there's conflict, if there's pain, if sometimes you get up like me and you go, I don't know what to do and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm keeping walking. I mean, I've discovered one thing in life, sitting down and sulking doesn't work. So I might as well keep walking. Because eventually I'll walk my way into the will of God, right? I like the beginning of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green paths. Leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Oh, gooey, gooey, lovely, lovely. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're like, wow, he's still leading me. You see, he's going to lead you through green pastures. He's going to lead you through dark valleys too. But it's still God. And in fact, it, it, the, the, the psalm moves from he will, he will in the first half to when you're going through the valley of, sh- of the shadow of death, it turns to you will, you will, you will. He becomes more personal in the darkness than in the light. There's something about walking with God through a valley. And I believe many places in the nation, many Christians, many churches have been through a valley of restriction and of holding back where he's held us in a half Nelson and said, you just keep walking with me. Oh, but God, we want to we be adult now. I mean, my son's nine. He wants to be 19 now. 
And he's not good at waiting. We were on holiday the other day. I said, Zach, we're going on a jet ski. He went, whoa. I said, tomorrow. <gasps> it's like, even just to wait till tomorrow is forever. A friend of mine told his kids, you know, we're going to Disneyland in six weeks. He said, it's the worst thing I ever did. Because they wished away the six weeks. See, children are into events. Adults are into process. You know, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I taught like a child. I processed like a child. But when I became an adult, I put away childish ways. Science actually shows that we never, we never stop being immature. And all the wives said, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know this. You never stop being immature, immature. You just overwhelm your immaturity with better mature responses. But have you noticed they're always still there? Right, every Sunday night in my house, you know, salad or Chinese takeaway. <laughs> right, immaturity is always there. Takeaway every time, right? But I'm supposed to be overwhelming it with sit-ups and water and salad, right? We have more mature responses as we grow older. As we grow, <laughs> you enjoying this morning? I'm cheering you up. As we grow in the things of God, our maturity is supposed to develop where we're making better choices. And we're realizing as adults, God, I don't just want the event. You know, some people come forward for prayer in church. And as, a, as someone who travels a lot, I want to go, you need to go and sit down with a pastor and talk through what you're going through. What you are going through will not be fixed by a hand on the head. You don't have a marriage problem. You, you, you don't have a money problem. You have a wisdom problem. You're stupid. And you haven't grown up. You haven't got a marriage problem. You're a rude person. You don't have a marriage problem. You're selfish. I mean, you should tell all men when they marry. Listen, learn to say, I'm sorry. When you're wrong, you say, I'm sorry. When she's wrong, you still say, I'm sorry. (laughs) We're supposed to be like Jesus. Take the blame every time. Sorry, I'm losing all the men in the room now. What can I work with me, girls? Come on. See, I love presence. I love miracles. And my, my life has always been the pursuit. I believe God is going to move in revival in incredible ways in our nation. But my experience has been, actually, God is more in the wrestle than in the river. He is more in what happens outside of meetings, the conflict, the pain, the drawing things together to a new day, leadership development, uh, 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 overcoming issues inside me and outside of me. There is a wrestle that goes on Monday to Saturday, which is where revival really happens. And it doesn't feel rivery, and it isn't usually, it isn't usually accompanied by Graham Kendrick or anyone. Welcome to the river. You know, no, it's normally this feels dry. And awful. We need to realize, as from God's perspective, He sees us as people that should try and wrestle with Him. Come wrestle me. I've got an invitation for you today. Come on, come out where it's deep. Not in the sense of the Spirit. Come out where it's deep in the sense of character, future, destiny, choices. Wrestle with me. Because I promise you, if you Wrestle. If you get in God's armpit, you're really going to be living as a powerful Christian. If we let him wrestle us, something about God 
wrestling us. And I believe as a church, he wants to wrestle you through to a a new season in him. Amen? And here's the thing. It says that God wrestled with him and... I'll come to this later on, but let's just work with the story as we read it. Uh, God touches his hip and God hurts him. Everybody say that, God hurt, hurt him. <laughs> we don't like that phrase, do we? <laughs> he has no plans to harm me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but he did tell you to take up your cross and follow him. So it's best to pick up your own instrument of execution. At least you get to choose it. Better to get into a wrestle voluntarily. God, I will wrestle you now. <laughs> I know I can't overcome, but there's just something happens when we get into grips with God and we rise to a new level. God hurt him. But listen, Jacob didn't let go. And you imagine God was kind of going, come on, I've hurt you. I've hit your hip now. I'm God. You're hurting, buddy. Tap out. Give up. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Even when it hurts, don't let go. How many people, Phil, let go? when some difficulty happened. Now, sometimes the difficulty came with the steward didn't smile at me downstairs when I arrived or whatever. Do you know what I mean? The pastor just didn't recognize me as we walked down the street. Boy, if I felt bad about that, my own father didn't recognize me sometimes. You know what I mean? We lived in a little... I, lived, uh, I grew up abroad and we lived in a little, little town in the Mediterranean. My dad would walk past me on the high street and not see me. So I don't mind when stewards haven't got a clue who I am. You know, my own stewards. We've got to grow up. And even when it hurts, don't let go. Because there's something in the struggle that's powerful and important. There's a reason in the struggle. There's blessing in the struggle. There's change in the struggle. If we embrace the struggle of God, the struggle in your prayer life, the struggle with sin, the struggle at home, the struggle with ministry, if we embrace the struggle that God puts us in and we say, okay, God, I realize this season right now is not all goosebumps. It's a struggle. God's good. Because I'm bringing you through to a new place. You see, you struggle through to a new you. That's what God does. It's like the butterfly. It's like the butterfly coming out. Is it the pupa? Is that what they call it? The butterfly pushing its way out of the little silk? Come on, there must be a school teacher in here. What's it called? Chrysalis. Thank you, Lord. And they say the butterfly has to struggle out in the struggle Blood begins to pump through its wings, and in the struggle is its becoming. Listen, in your struggle is your becoming. Don't give up when it hurts. Don't stop because, well, it doesn't feel like a nice river anymore. It feels like a God who's not letting me traverse him. He's getting a hold of my habits, getting a hold of my hates, getting a hold of my behavior. I say, come on, let's grow up. You see, in the struggle, is where we find revival. Revival hasn't come to, to nations or people because, because people, you know, ooh, let's have revival. You know, John Kilpatrick in Pensacola, he had a church of a couple of thousand. It was a decent church, good building. But honestly, he would sit on the steps of his platform before the revival broke out. And he'd sit there going, guys, I know we got it all. A couple of thousand people. We got no debt. We got decent worship. We all pretty well love each other, but this isn't it. In other words, he embraced a struggle that to some they would go, it's not even there. Why are you struggling? Because I know there's more than this. And I'm struggling with God until I become. 
I'm grabbing onto God until I become. I'm holding God until he changes my name. I am God's wrestler. I'm going to get a hold of God until he transforms stuff inside of me. I've decided I'm getting hold of God until this works. If it doesn't work, I'm going to go do something else. Revival comes because men struggle. Look at the start of the Hebridean revival. It takes a man somewhere, a woman somewhere praying, saying, God, you cannot lie. You said you would. What about Evan Roberts saying, bend me, bend me, bend me. He's going through that. God, take me from being ankle deep in nice Christianity. God, I want to be in a river that I can no longer traverse. I want to be God's man, God's woman. And I know that doesn't feel floaty in a meeting. That's literally when we sit down to do our monthly finances, how much we give where and what we spend on is where the river hits my life. Do you know where the river hits your life? How you talk about another leader. Where the river hits your life when you do and don't come to the prayer meeting. It got quiet, Phil. Where it hits our life, it's what we do when it hurts. Ankle deep is easy. Come to church, you last three years, then you're off. But when we enter adulthood with God, it's like, come on, I need to wrestle you through to a new season in me. Is it making sense to anybody? Anybody, anybody feel like you've been in the wrestle with God lately? Just wave a hand at me. Is anybody? I feel I have. <laughs> I mean, the good news is at one point, God does go, let me go. It's daybreak. I'm not going to wrestle you forever. There's an end to the wrestle. Okay, back to the, back to the, the meadows and the still water, Right? But we struggle to become. Listen to this from James 1, 2 to 4. It's in the Passion Translation. I highly recommend, if you can get one, get one. 20, 25 pound on on Amazon, you can get a Passion Translation. It's lovely. Uh, James 1, 2 to 4 says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. See, immature Christians think, he's nuts. Is he on drugs? What's he on about? How can you say when you're going through difficulty, consider it the best joy? It's because a mature believer knows, ah, a wrestling match always promotes me. A struggle always promotes me. Human conflict, if I choose the right choices, will always promote me. Change, if I walk with God, will always promote me. But if I cut and run because I hurt, I end up demoted. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. That's what struggle does. Struggle does more for you than peace. Right? He restores your soul in the peaceful times. That's great. But I've got to be honest, God is not committed to your happiness. He's committed to your maturity. Right? So he's saying, well, as soon as I can, I'm going to get you back in another struggle. Because I want you to be like Jesus. They're getting really excited, Phil. He wants you to be like Jesus. 
who can look at the cross and he'd learn through the seasons of his life, for the joy set before me, I'll go through another wrestle. I'll wrestle to the point of sweating blood. Because I know as I go through a struggle, at the other end comes joy. It's the struggle that makes you, not rolling around on the carpet. I roll around the carpet all the time. I quite enjoy it. I like being in the presence of God. But I've noticed he is as much in the struggle as he is in the carpet. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Come on. We're struggling for the high call of God. When I was um, seven years old, I I was born in South Wales. So I'm a Welshman. I should talk like this, really. Went up a hill and came down a mountain. boy. That's how I should talk, but I don't. I left when I was seven, and I grew up in Gibraltar, southern Spain. Um, Now, my parents wrestled for four years with the call to leave everything. My dad had a good job. They owned their own home. Wrestled with taking me and my brother out of our schools and just going to Gibraltar, homeless uh, and jobless. And uh, it took them four years of a wrestle. Maybe there's some people wrestling with God in here about a call, a draw on your life. And the deeper you get, the stronger the pull becomes. Listen, there's blessing. But it doesn't feel like it at first. You see, Christianity, one of the principles of Christianity is baptism. You can't dabble and have all of God. There is no hobby Christianity, is there? There's only full immersion. And if we've got, you know, sometimes at our baptisms when people are a bit naughty, I say, I'm going to hold you under till the bubbles stop. (laughs) I'm making sure I'm burying you, buddy. Right. And sometimes God holds us under till the bubbles stop. In other words, come on, let me wrestle you through. I remember the day my mum and dad came to me and my brother. I was seven, he was nine. And, and they gave us two pillowcases, a pillowcase each. And they said, we're going to go and live abroad. You can keep whatever toys you can fit in the pillowcase. Okay. So I filled mine with Lego and Action Man. Come on, those were the days, right? There was no iPads and all this kind of stuff. Right? And um, I remember the day we opened our doors. And it was essentially we'd put a, a, a price on every single thing in our house. We opened our doors to all of our neighbors and friends. And they came around and just bought everything. And we sold everything we had and we put everything we had left in a Citroen 2CV6. You know what that kind of car? The little French bubble car. And everything we owned was in that car. And we headed off. I remember driving away a vivid seven-year-old memory of what the will of God is like. I remember driving from our home in that car, hearing my mother sob. She was leaving. They were leaving. A great job. A house they loved. A fantastic church. And going homeless and jobless into the will of God. A river that cannot be traversed. He's got me. I'm surrendered. The greatest thing I remember is the guttural sobs of my mother. That's what God's will sounds like to me. We were so blessed. They were blessed financially. Blessed in their home. Blessed in a church that grew 400% across the 10 years they were there. Blessed now in their retirement, they're still with me up in Hull, traveling the world, spending my inheritance. (laughs) They gave everything up and it led to blessing. You know, 
We're wrestling our way through to the high call of God. I believe there's a high call on this church. I believe there's a threshold right now in your lives. And some of you have been going through it. And I believe you're coming through it as well. Where God is saying, right, now I'm bringing you up to a new level. I see buildings even beyond this building in your future. I see you training teams going around the world. It's like you're some kind of SAS training place. I just feel it in my spirit. Something is, is breaking out among you that God wants to use to touch nations of the world. But that requires requires a struggle in the very core of your culture to come up to a new place in him. There's a royal calling. You're not called kings by accident. There's a royal calling on your house. And God's saying, I want you to come up to kingly anointing in me. But that, that's not going to be, oh, we were all oiled up and it was lovely, Phil. Thank you. It was so easy. No, that requires struggle and pain and conflict and argument. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? And you think, how can God be in argument? Do you know God? God's saying to Moses, I'm not going with you. I might kill you all. I've had enough of you. Moses, no, please come with us. What else will distinguish us from all the people on the earth? God expects his people to argue with him and to argue with each other. You might have to correct that one later. Add a few caveats. I'll leave it to Phil. Dr. Phil. It's not meant to be just all tiptoes with the daisies. You wrestle your way through to maturity. Painful restructuring. I'll be honest with you. The church team that gets you from A to B never gets you from B to C. And it changes again from C to E, whatever comes after that, right? Come on. There must be a school teacher somewhere. F, Z, X. As you go through the stage of a church, you must be ready for flexibility. I believe you come into a threshold. When change, you're going to, in a few years, you'll be saying, change is here to stay. Because you're going to start going through the gears. And the only way to embrace it is to embrace not just the pleasant stuff, but the struggle. And go, okay, it's not everything that I would want, but I'm struggling through. Trusting that the other side of the sobs is blessing. And you'll struggle through crisis. Just a few years ago was one of the most difficult years of my life. There was... uh, there was a suicide in the church, dear friend of mine. Um, about 150 people left the church. There was all kinds of stuff there that was, went, went on. There was lies told about me. It was horrendous. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, pretty well all I prayed for one year was, Dear Jesus, please heal my broken heart. I'll get up and I'll preach to the people and I'll put a smile on my face because it's the right thing to do. But inside, I'm just struggling. Please heal my broken heart. And I'm not saying God sent some of those things, but he did send some of them. You see, in a little bit like uh, Joseph, what you meant for harm, God intended for good. Every struggle promotes you when you keep smelling of Jesus in the middle of the wrestle. When you keep saying, I'm not, I might be hurting, but I refuse to let you go until you bless me. I refuse to let you go till you change my name to the next season in my life. I refuse to let you go until I I get through to this new place in prayer, this new place in finances, this new place in leadership, in ministry, in career, this new place with my children. I refuse to settle at this level. I believe glory to glory is God's will. And I I may sometimes, oh, I don't know about you, when you think, I love mountaintops. Anybody? I mean, I'm not really a mountain climber, but my brother is, so he drags me up them all the time. And I'm there at the top of one mountain. I remember being at the top of the, high, the second highest mountain in Britain, looking across to Ben Nevis. 
And I'm stood there going, right, the only way to get up there, I wish there was a cable car that went from here to there. And I just, you know, just, I would just head there with a Coca-Cola in my hand, singing Sweet Jesus. But the only way to the next high place is to go down, then up. But you know, actually, in going down and through the valley, strengthens my legs to climb the next mountain. See, I'm, I'm in love not with the mountaintop. You don't live on mountaintops. I'm in love with the process. I believe, church, whether you're going through it right now or you're about to, or some of you are going through it personally or corporately, there is a struggle through to new promotions in heaven resting over this house. And I want to encourage you, do not let him go until he blesses you. Because there's a royal commission on this house. There are, there are, I can see orders sat on the tables of the war rooms of heaven. Saying that's for these guys. They're going to transform some stratas of society in a nation if they grasp their special orders. And I feel that there are plans waiting for you and God's saying, come up high. I want the muscles to grow bigger and stronger. How do they, only by resistance do we grow muscles. God's saying, come on, you're not wrestling the devil, wrestle me. I will control my strength so that I don't kill you, because I could at a wink, couldn't I? Wrestle me until you come through to a new place. Let's pray together. Let's stand in the presence of God. Jesus. Did you get something from that? Oh, let's have the piano player play, because... It's a little bit serious, that message. We need some goosebumps to help, don't we? Come on. God's strugglers wrestling through to new places in God. It's not just about worship and prayer. It's about leadership. It's about skills. It's about influence. It's about authority. It's about family. It's about money. It's about how we talk. The book of Ecclesiastes says, Woe to the nation whose king is a child. The only way to be a king is to rise up to new levels in him. And I just feel you're at a threshold. I feel this morning there's oil for the next level. I want to briefly pray with some of you this morning. If you feel this message is for you, that you've been struggling or you feel that you're in a struggle, but it's something of God even, even even though it doesn't always look like the face of God, you can feel, you know, actually maybe God is in this and I'm wrestling through to a new level. I want you to come and join me here at the front. I want to pray fresh oil. Psalm 23 says, you anoint my head with oil in the presence of my enemies, in the, in the presence of a struggle. And if you know you in your life or your ministry or your home or your church are a place of coming up to a new level, I want you to come out and say, God, okay, it's a bit of a valley. It's a bit of restriction. It's a bit of pain and struggle going on right now, but I don't want to let you go. Give me oil. Give me strength to keep going through the wrestle till I come on through. Step right forward to the platform so others can come in behind you. Step forward to the platform. Just put your hands out in front of you. There he is. There he is. There he is.
someone's struggling, there's a struggle with your grandchildren. And actually God is working something through the generations in your family. God's saying, I've given you oil for that. Come on, you can tolerate it. You can keep working through. There's oil for that. There's oil for that. There's oil for that. Some are struggling through financially. God wants to bring you out of a poverty mindset. You know it's restrictive. You kind of don't want to admit it because it seems like a big challenge to, how do I step through to not just live within my means, but start to live within his? And God's saying, I want to draw you up to a new place financially. Just put your hands out in front of you. That's you. Let the spirit of God. There's oil for this journey. There's oil for this journey. And I want you to say to God now in a whisper, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. I will not let you go. Even when it hurts, I will not let you go until you bless me. Until I discover the purpose of the struggle. I will not let you go. Now here comes the oil of heaven. There he is. Very gentle. Strength in your heart for the journey. Very gentle. I will not let you go. I will not let you go. 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 Everyone else in the room, let's close our eyes and pray together. Would you, wherever you stood, put your hands out in front of you right now and let his presence fill your life. Let me tell you, you may not need this message today, but everybody needs to realize at some point, and it might come back to you in three months or three years, even the struggle God can be in. Be bold. Be strong. God is with you. He's not wrestling with you because he doesn't love you. He's wrestling with you because he loves you. He's wrestling with you through to new places in God. And church, I see change after change after change being embraced by an army of mature people who grasp the seasons and what God is doing. I see skills being downloaded into departments, into leadership strata across the church to enable you to turn corners powerfully together. I see finances being released from heaven, businessmen opening up coffers of anointing and coffers of finance to release new plans and purposes. I see a running coming to the legs of the church. But right now, God is building stamina and strength for the next phase. Stamina. And strength for the next phase of the journey. Stamina and strength. That's it. Let his presence just rest on you. There he is. Stronger. Stronger. He anoints you. Even in the presence of your enemies. He anoints you.
I will not let you go. I will not let you go. Some of you need to be able to say to God, God, you can change my human positioning, but it will not affect my relationship with you. I will not let you go. You can move me around. You can change what I do. I refuse to fall in love with what I do above you, God. What I do is just my service to you. I'm going to follow you. I will not let you go, even when it hurts. Jesus, he's in your struggle. He's in your struggle. Even with sickness, I don't believe God sends sickness, but when it happens, he works all things together for good. What the devil intended for harm, God is going to use to make you stronger. Begin to believe, if you are going through an area of sickness right now, that God is going to give you a ministry of deliverance in that area. You're going to set, some people in this room, you're going to set people free from cancer. You're going to release people from tumors, from arthritis, from depression. God didn't send it. But he's going to give you some divine revenge. He's going to let you. He's going to increase you because the devil dared to touch you. He's going to increase the area of your ministry. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.